discomfort in a church full of noise. And my response to those types of individuals is this. If you don't like it down here, then you're sure not going to like it if you make it to the other side. Because my friend, everything I read about heaven says it's going to be full of worship. It's going to be full of praise. It's going to be full of people giving thanks and saying, holy, 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 holy. I want to be so used to worship that when we get to the other side, it's just natural to worship God. It's just natural to respond to his presence. Oh, praise the Lord. What a tremendous presence of God that is in this place already. We welcome everyone to this evening's Sunday school time. I've asked Brother Cecil Carroll to come 
and share the word of the Lord with us this evening. Would you make Brother Carroll welcome as he comes today? Thank you, Pastor. It is a honor and a privilege to be invited to grace this podium. And Sister Beatsy, he's brave, ain't he? Yeah. I knew you'd have to say it, so I'd just go ahead and get that out of the way. Praise the Lord. I got a real lengthy reading of this evening. I got one whole scripture. Genesis 32 and 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. I'm going to read it again. And Jacob was left alone, and they, there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Lord, I ask you to reach down this afternoon. God, I know what I am, and I don't know my limitations, but God, I know who you are and what you are. God, I ask you to reach down and move in our midst. Touch each and every individual in this house. God, let them know that you've stood in thy presence. Lord, they'll leave here when this is all said and done different because they've been in your presence and felt your power. God, we give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. And you may be seated. If you're going to talk about a man, one of the first things you have to do is to designate the day in which you're speaking of the man. For you see, and I, I'll use me because I don't want to make anybody else upset or angry with me. If I talk about somebody else, y'all might get upset with me. But I'm not the man today that I was when I married that red-headed lady 47 years ago. I'm not the man I was whenever my first child was born. Because life and situations and circumstances has moved on me and I've got experiences now that I did. So I'm not the same. Oh, yeah, I still look the same. I'm still as ugly as I always be. Or Ben, my hair is as gray as it's probably ever going to get unless it falls out. But I'm not the man I was at that time because of life and things and the way it has created and it has shaped me and things that I've experienced and things that I've went through, it has changed me. So if you're going to speak of a person, then you've got to talk about the day in which you're speaking of. So having said that, whenever I begin to read this scripture of Jacob, then I've got to build some background to let you know the time that I'm talking about with Jacob. Most everybody knows the story of Jacob, but Jacob had connived his brother out of his birthright. And whenever his brother had came in and from the field and Jacob had the dish on and he could, his brother could smell it and he was hungry and he said, give me to eat or I'm going to perish. And Jacob, if he'd have been the loving brother that he should have, he'd say, come on, brother. Come on, sit down at the table and eat. But the conniving person that Jacob was, he said, I'll give you some, but I want your birthright. And Esau said, well, I'm starving to death anyway, so what good is a birthright going to do me? So Jacob had connived his brother out of his birthright. Then Rachel, Jacob's mother, heard 
Isaac, whenever he told, he saw, he said, go to the field. Get you, get your deer gun and go to the field and, and kill a Benjamin. Bring it back and make the savory meat that I like. You know the way I like it. Bring it back because I'm going to bless you. Whenever Rachel heard Isaac tell Esau that, then she got Jacob to the side and she said, you run out there and kill me a goat. You bring it in here and I'm going to make your father some savory meat. And I'm going to let you take it into him and he's going to bless you instead of Esau. And Jacob wasn't a complete idiot. He said, yep, but mama, Esau's a hairy man and I'm not. She said, that's all right. I said, you just bring the skins to the, the goat with you. We're going to fix that. See, she made the savory meat that Isaac liked. Jacob got it, and she put the hide of the animal on his hands and on his neck, and he went in to Isaac, and Isaac asked him, he said, Who are you? And he said, I am thy son Esau, thy firstborn. He said, Come over here and let me feel of you. Jacob walked over to Isaac and Isaac began to feel of him, and Isaac made the statement. He said, the voice is of Jacob, but the feeling is of Esau. We have to be careful, and I didn't really have a title to this, but if you need one, I did come up with one. Beware of your feelings, for they will deceive you. Not too many years ago, Nike came up with a phrase of, if it feels good, do it. And it seems like that our society, not only did they embrace that saying, but they grabbed it and ran with it. They feel like that if it feels good, it must be okay to do. Surely it is, because you know why the druggies get high on drugs? Because it makes them feel good. You know why the alcoholic gets high on alcohol? Because it feels good. Do you know why those that live in the deviant lifestyles get into that kind of stuff? Is because for a moment they think it makes them feel good. So it must be something to that fact. Uh, but if Isaac had listened to that voice that he heard, it sounds like Jacob. It sounds like Jacob, but it feels like Esau. And he went with a feeling. And Jacob managed to get his brother's blessing. Not long after that, whenever Esau came in, and he said, Father, I brought you the savory meat. Isaac said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what is this? Who is this? He said, I'm Esau. I'm your eldest. I brought you the savory meat for you to bless me. If you'll give me just a little bit of latitude to use my own words right here. But Isaac said, what have I done? because I have blessed something that should not have been blessed because I did not listen to the voice. But I went with a feeling. I went with a feeling because it felt like Esau. I chose to bless that that should not have been blessed. Esau gets upset. He declares that he's going to kill Jacob. And his mother said, hey, you know, you, you need to go on down to my brother's house. You need to go on down to Lebanon. And Isaac gets with them, and they send Jacob on his way down to his uncle's house. But on the way down there, Jacob is asleep in the night, and he has a dream. 
dreams that there's a ladder there and it's reaching up into the heavens. There's God standing at the top of it and he begins to talk to him. And he said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take care of you. I made some promises to Abraham. They came on down to Isaac. And now they're coming on down to Jacob. I'm going to take care of you. Jacob goes on down to Uncle Laban's house. He marries. He serves 14 years for, actually for Rachel. He serves another six years for the cattle that he got from his uncle. And his uncle changed his wages ten times. But through all of this, every time that something happened, Jacob was always blessed. But Jacob had always ran. Every time that he had a confrontation, he didn't have a backbone, Jacob chose to flee. His parents helped him then. But he came to realize that the countenance of his uncle had changed against him. And the Lord spoke to him and Go read this. I'm not quoting a lot of scripture today because I haven't got time. I'd have to read four or five chapters. Go back and read it this next week. See if you can catch me messing up in any of it. And if you do, tell me that I made a mistake and I'll acknowledge it because I am using a lot of my own words here. I will agree with you. But he, he realized that the countenance of Levin has changed against him and the Lord comes to him in another dream. And he said, go on back to the land of your father. I'll be with you. I'm going to see you through. You're going to get there. Everything's going to be okay. And he gets up and he gathers his wives, his wives and his livestock. And he begins to head back towards Esau and Isaac. Back home. You see, once again, Jacob has realized that something is not right. The countenance has changed against him, Brother Jamie. And once again, he's choosing to flee. Now, God told him to go, but he's choosing to flee. And he is going back. And he sends word out to his brother Esau. Hey, I'm coming. And his messenger comes back. We met Esau. And he's coming with 400 men. Jacob becomes afraid. He begins to send out a peace offering. And he sends out camels, and he sends out sheep, and he sends out goats, and he gives servants the, to drive them towards Esau. And he tells the servants, he said, whenever you get there, you tell Esau that this is from Jacob, that maybe I'll find favor in his sight. And he sent not all in one group because Esau would have only received it one time, but it was one drove after another. And each time they said the same thing, this is from Jacob. Jacob comes down to the brook. He divides up his wives and his livestock that is left with him. He sends them across on the other side. And Jacob stays on the opposite side from them. Now, I have brought you rather hurriedly up through the life of Jacob up to this point. But I wanted to make the point that Jacob has yet to make any stand. Jacob has always fled. He's fleeing once more. And in the middle or in the night, he's laying out there by himself. And I don't know, I would like to think maybe he was praying. He was asking the Lord to help him to look after him, which God had already promised him twice as to Beatsy that he was going to be with him. But Jacob is laying out there, and all of a sudden he feels a touch 
of a hand. Or it grabs him. I don't know exactly how it started. But something grabs a hold of him. And that human nature that had dwelt in Jacob for so long, it took over. And you would have a hard time convincing me of anything different than the fact that whenever that hand grabbed a hold of him, that the first thing that was in Jacob's mind was to flee. One of Esau's men has found me, uh, and he's going to kill me. Uh, and that was all that would hit his back. So the first part of that battle of that wrestling match that night was not Jacob trying to hold on. It was Jacob trying to get loose. Uh, it was Jacob trying to go somewhere else uh, to get away from whoever it was that had a hold of him because he didn't want anything to do with whoever it was. This has been with me for quite a while, I'll be honest with you. And I have thought this back and forth in one way and another, and I've laid awake at night in these scriptures and this stories going over and over in my mind. And I don't know, just uh, let, let my old mind wonder for a minute if you would allow me the latitude. But uh, it began to record whenever they begin to speak to uh, each other in the morning time. Kind of leads me to believe up to that point in time that they were silent. It was just a silent wrestling match that was going on. But if you could have got into the mind of God or asked God, and I believe it was God himself that was wrestling with Jacob. You might disagree with me, that's fine. But I believe it was God that he was wrestling with, Brother Jamie. But if you could have heard or you could have spoke to God, you could have questioned him at that point in time. You'd have heard him say, Jacob, Jacob, so I'm just trying to bless you. You're trying to get away, but all I've got for you is blessings. If you just quit trying to escape and let me bless you. But somewhere during the night of the wrestling, tugging, toiling, feet sleeping in the sand, trying to get traction, trying to get a hold, wrestling this way and that way somewhere during the night. Something happened in the perspective of Jacob. Pastor spoke several times Wednesday night, three times I know of, possibly four. And it might have been more than that, but he was talking about perceiving or perception. Do you remember that? Do you remember what Pastor preached Wednesday night? You see in the perception of Jacob, he was trying to get away because something was trying to destroy him. What he was trying to get away from was the very thing, was his blessings and that that was laid in store for his family. That would change Jacob from a man to Israel. Israel and each other. They would change his 12 boys from his sons until the 12 tribes of Judah. And somewhere in the night in my bed, whatever I was thinking, oh God, how many times, how many times have you held on to me when I was trying to get away? How many times have you held on whenever I was trying to escape? I, whenever I didn't know that you were really trying to bless me. I, I didn't know that you had in store for me I, and I was trying to escape from it. Jacob. Jacob, quit. Stop. Let me bless you. Let me give you that I promised Abraham, that I promised Isaac. Let me make your seed as the sands of the sea. For through you, Jacob, 
is all mankind going to be blessed through you? And somewhere in the middle of the night, somewhere in that fight, something began to change in Jacob. His perception began to change. He began to see through or perceive things in a little different light. And in the wee hours of the morning when he began to break daylight, God spoke to Jacob. He said, let me go. Jacob finally grew a backbone. He said, oh, no. I ain't letting you go till you bless me. Oh, no. Not this time. But you're going to bless me before I release you. God spoke to him and he said, what is thy name? And I wonder if Jacob was ashamed whenever he had to say, I'm Jacob, whenever he knew what his name stood for, supplanter. Whenever he remembered the things that he had done, the people that he had connived, that he had lied to. But once again, Jacob was mad enough. He, he stood up once more and he said, I'm Jacob. God said, no longer shall thou be called Jacob. But thy name shall be Israel. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men. During the wrestling match, and I didn't bring it out a while ago, but during the wrestling match, he had touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. It crippled him. The Bible says that from that day forth, Jacob walked with a limp. You see, Jacob had operated on feelings so long I think it's kind of ironic, and then maybe it's just my old wild imaginations, but I don't know but what God didn't say. All right, son, you wanted those feelings? You're going to remember this night, every step that you take for the rest of your life. You're going to remember when I changed your name. You're going to remember whenever I made a nation of you instead of just one of Isaac's sons. You're going to remember this because those feelings that you had, that you operated off of, that you used to your advantage, now you're going to feel it every step you take. Yeah, I got time. I'm going to share with, and some of y'all have heard this, a lot of you have not, but I'm going to share some of my personal life with you for just a moment. The reason I know about feelings. In about 2010, I believe it was, right around there, I was diagnosed with carcinoma tumors in the duodenum. The lower part of the stomach and the upper part of the intestines. They did scope. Two weeks later, they called me back, said, we need to do another scope. We found something. They sent it off. They said, well, it's benign. It's not malignant yet, but it's tumors, and they are growing. 
So for the next two years, about every three to four months, six months, they'd do, do an EGD or a scope. And they would check them. In 2012, John Karkikas told me, he said, all right, he said, you fixed to have to do something, he said, because you're playing with fire. You see, carcinoid tumors do not respond to chemo, radiation, or any known cancer treatment. There's nothing that they can do to shrink or impede the growth of carcinoid tumors other than to remove them. So in 2012, they wheeled me into surgery in Rapids General. I spent four and a half hours in an operating room. They removed the lower lobe of my stomach, the upper part of my intestines, intestines and tied me all back together. And then they wheeled me out into a room. Brother Lord Montpelier was there. They had a prisoner over at that time. And whenever they got me up and started walking around, he was sitting out in the hall guarding that prisoner. Walked by Brother Lord, we talked, and he said, I'm praying for you. It meant a lot. I had so many tubes and hoses running out of me, I looked like a porcupine. And I don't say that to make you for anything other than I'm going to give God some glory here. That doctor told me whenever he did the surgery, he said, I promise you, you will not feel any pain. And he was right. Now, I was sore, and whenever they made me move, I felt pain from the soreness. But other than that, Brother Boo, I did not have any pain. But I had a pouch around my neck and a little slanger that had pain medicine in it. I had a, a little pump in my hand that had morphine in it that I could inject myself any time that I needed to. I had tube run down, draining. I had a feeding tube in my side because they could not feed me because they removed part of my stomach. So I had tubes and stuff running out all over the place, and I wasn't feeling any discomfort. Everything was going along smooth. They started pulling the tubes out, all this stuff, and they got ready to start feeding me. And things weren't so smooth. They'd wheel that tray in there, and hospital food's not good anyway. But whenever they'd wheel that tray in there, the second my wife would take that lid off of there, I was instantly, deathly ill. Just the smell of it. I would be so nauseated, as a matter of fact, she'd pull the lid off of it and stick the trash can under me at the same time. That went on for two or three days, and I wasn't eating what little bit I was getting was coming through a feeding tube in the side still. And I told her, I said, baby, you're going to have to pray. I can't keep on doing this. You're going to have to pray. Of course, she was praying, and I knew Brother Lord was still praying for me. All my family was praying for me. My church was praying for me. And I remember, because I remember this week whenever I was going through all of this right here in my head, Sister Beatsy, I remembered the night that I turned my face to the wall and he wasn't loud and he wasn't glamorous. But I told him, I said, God, you're going to have to do something. i got to have some help. I can't keep on like this. 
I promise you, I never used the morphine for pain. But whenever I'd get so nauseated, I would inject myself with the morphine because I knew I'd pass out in just a few moments' time. When that morphine went to do a straight into the line, in just a few minutes, I'd be out. And I, whenever I'd get so sick, I would do that to, just to get out of it. But I will tell you right now that when I turned my face to that wall that night, and I said, God, you've got to do something. I was not nauseated again. Now, I didn't start eating a lot right off. It still had to wean me back on the food. I will not tell you that, but I will tell you that I was not nauseated again in that hospital. And for about five years, I never was nauseated at all. And in the period of time since then, that was back in 2000, in May of 2012, I could count on one hand the times I've been nauseated, and I promise you, every time that I get nauseated, it don't last two minutes, and it's gone. And I remember, and I've thought a lot of times, it's kind of like a rainbow. He just lets me get nauseated because he reminds me of what he done for me. He reminds me. I came home, everything was going good, it seemed as though, and then it wasn't going so good. My mind, later I will just tell you to start off with later, uh, a week or so later, I talked to the doctor, went back for a checkup, and he said, it's just the chemicals and all, you about you're going to be fine, everything's good, you know. But it didn't feel good. I would wake up with night sweats. The sheet would be wringing wet on the bed. I don't know whether I was depressed or whether I had anxiety attacks. I don't know. It was just a jumble of thoughts. But I will tell you this. I knew these symptoms of advanced carcinoma tumors and everything that the symptoms of the advanced carcinoid tumors that I knew about was what I was going through. The doctor told me, his name is Richard Norm. If any of y'all know him, he's a general surgeon in Rapids General. Richard Norm told me, he said, you have no more tumors in your body. We removed them all. You are clear of tumors. And yet, whenever I'd break out in a cold sweat and the bed would be wringing wet, the first thing that will run through my mind was, yeah, that's what he said. You see, my feelings was working on me. I wasn't listening to what was being said. I was letting my feelings dictate to my train of thought. I saw Brother Boo Reeves on the campground 2012. He and I stood back against the back wall. He said, how you doing, brother? I said, Brother, just to be honest with you, I'm not doing so good. I said, I feel like I'm going crazy. He said, I pray for you. I said, I need it. I went to the doctor in Gina, a friend of mine I went to school with. Y'all may know him. His name slipped my mind just like that, and I went to school with him. Robert Kendrick. I went to Robert, and I said, Robert, I need some help. 
He said, I, he said, I think all you need is just something to relax you. He said, nothing strong, just a little something to relax you. I said, well, if you've got something that'll just relax me, then you give it to me. He wrote me a prescription. Went home and started, he said, it'll take about seven to ten days for this to get in your system, and then you'll just read. He said, it won't, won't affect your personality, and then, you know, nothing. Just, everything's going to be fine. You just, this is a friend. This is a guy I went to school with. He's my personal doctor. He was the one that sent me to John Carkikos whenever we did the, the scope and found the carcinoid tumors. I started taking that medication. I took it one day and things didn't seem to change much. And the second day I took it and I sat on the front porch. My wife walked by me. Thank God for a caring, loving wife. She walked by me, Brother Jamie. She said, you take that medicine? I said, yeah. She said, how many days have you been taking it? I said, this is the second one. I said, Robert told me it takes seven to ten days for it to get in the system. She said, you better go flush that stuff down the sink right now. She said, because you sitting here and you act like you don't care if the cabbage don't never head. And I said, you right. I got up and walked into the kitchen and I got that prescription bottle of them relaxing pills. I walked over to the sink and pulled the lid off of it. I poured them in the sink and turned the hot water on. And they went down the drain. And I don't remember exactly how many days it's all kind of in the sequence. But my son called me one morning, and I was honest to goodness. I was down on my kitchen floor. on my kitchen floor in my house and felt like I was going out of my mind. And my son called me. He said, Daddy, what's going on? I said, Son, I'm losing my mind. Absolutely losing my mind. He said, All right, I'll see you in a little bit. He hung up. I was still in that position about 15, I don't know, 20 minutes later, something like that. And it was like a fog, and my head was still down and my eyes was closed. But it was like a fog in that kitchen. And I began to see it rise. And it come on up. And underneath that fog, it was just good bright daylight. And it just rose right on up. And it went right on out of the top of the kitchen. I won't tell you I didn't have some bad days. But all in all, it was gone. God took care of my whatever it was, anxiety, depression, night sweats, whatever. Back there in that kitchen that day. Now, I shared that to tell you this. I know what feelings can do to you. I know how feelings can deceive you. 
but I know what the sound of the master is. I know the sound of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I know, and old Jacob, he had got to that place to where he knew there'd come a time whenever he grew a backbone and Jacob knew, I know the sound of the master. I know this is God. Jacob later made the statement. He said, I have seen him face to face. I have come in contact with him and I have seen him face to face. I'm here to tell you today, whatever you take away from this, I know there's been a lot that's going on around here. I know we've seen a lot. We've dealt with a lot. We've been through a lot, not only in the church, but in the community around about and in our families and all that. But I'm here to tell you, don't trust your feelings. Trust the word of God. Brother Story came through here not long ago and he gives some words out. I'm telling you, God is still on the throne. He's still the master. He's still the answer. He's still all that we need. And don't trust your feelings. Trust God. Hold on to him. Cling to him. Claim it. Loud it. Bring it home. But hold on to God. Don't ever, ever let it escape. The prophet was picked up and set down in a valley of dry bones. The Lord asked him, he said, can these bones live? Of course, the prophet was smart. He said, I knowest. But he heard a wind start to blow. When the wind started to blow, things began to happen. The bones started coming together. The sinews started coming back upon the bones. The wind brought in a new life. On the day of Pentecost, said they were all in one accord gathered in the upper room. And there came from heaven a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. It brought in new life. I'm telling you today that I believe that I hear the sounds of Pentecost blowing once again in Wallace Ridge. I believe that I hear the sound that's bringing in new life. I believe I hear the sound that's bringing back those that we love, those that we cherish, that have gone astray. Life has happened, and they've been damaged, and they've been hurt. But I believe I hear the winds beginning to blow again. And I'm not trusting my feelings, but I'm going to listen to the sound. Isaac, what do you hear? I hear Jacob. I hear Jacob. I feel Esau, but I hear Jacob. Jacob, I'm not going to let what I feel dictate to me. I'm not going to let what I feel rule and ruin my life, but I'm going to believe what I hear. I'm going to believe what I'm told. I'm going to believe that my God is still on the throne. And these names, under this one and under this one, Brother Lord, they're coming back. I hear the sound. They're coming back. My feelings ain't telling me that. But I'm listening for the sound. I hear the sound. I hear the sound. I hear the sound. 
Oh, let's stand and receive this.